Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed episode number 250. Watch out for morning breath. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Well. I think I have a dose of morning breath. It's fitting that that's my open since we're recording in the morning <laughs> again this week. <laughs> Do you guys have a good week? I did have a good week. Mostly. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Pretty average. <laughs> What's in the news, Keith? News. Well, those of you lamenting the fact that Web of Fear and Enemy of the World had a vanilla release, now you can boot, or soon you'll be able to boot up a CD and DVD to listen to a commentary while you watch it. Uh, fan, uh, or MP3. You can download, they'll have yes. MP3s available, so you can MP3. download it. Uh, Phantom Films have announced that they're going to provide the commentaries. Um, under the guidance of commentary moderation of Toby Hedok. 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 So both commentaries will be released on CD and download formats and will feature Deborah Watling for both stories, with Enemy represented by Mary Peach, Milton Johns, Carmen Monroe, and Bill Lyons, and in Webb, Ralph Watson, John Levine, and Derek Martin. Um, there's going to be a couple other production people on the list, too. As well as a feature former BBC archivist who's going to give some insight into policies of wiping and archiving material in the one missing episode. They will be released in November 2015 and you can pre-order them now. No price point yet that I've seen. It's really nice to see a third party get involve and do something like this and and while it i mean it'll cost it'll cost you money to download it or buy the cd but it's it's nice that the if the bbc is just going to put the videos out with no extras none of this kind of commentary or anything like that it's nice for someone to see somebody filling that niche you know doing yeah. something about it and who better to get than toby hedoke in order to uh moderate that uh discussion so looks like uh the download will be nine dollars or nine pounds and ninety nine. What is their equivalent of cents? Shillings. Shillings. No, not shillings. <laughs> nine ninety nine pounds. Yeah. Nine ninety nine p. They're uh, cents. They ten, cents. Ten pounds. They use pennies over there. Uh, the UK CD will be eleven pounds, and the OS CD, which I'm assuming is an open software, no region coded disc, will be. Sixteen pounds. Now I have some legitimate concerns about the structural integrity of my disc drawer being able to hold that. Because <laughs> it's nine pounds. That's a heavy seat. <laughs> no. <laughs> I chuckled. I gave you a drum. That's all you get. You get a drum. Put that in your disc drawer. <laughs> Take it and run, Evan. It's worth about nine pounds. I can't. My feet are nailed to the floor. Uh, the other bit of news is we got pictures and details of our Lego Doctor Who set along with the December release t- uh, time frame. 
Sean's excited. Just in time for the holidays. Yes, which I kind of expected that aspect of it. I've already notified Mel that this will be purchased. <laughs> I didn't see a price. Did you guys? I'm sure it'll be expensive. Uh, probably the, yes, that's probably about $70, I would At guess. At least, yeah. It just, looks just pretty based Im- on the size. Yeah, it looks pretty pieces, impressive. It looks like the a fact that <laughs> you can build the TARDIS and then you can take off part of it and attach it to the console room and then take it off and fly with it. And, yeah, it's a pretty impressive set. My, my hemming and hawing and naysaying about um, Lego having the license is kind of waned. <laughs> dis, uh, yeah, disquieted. <laughs> Still don't like the way the Daleks look in it, but <clears throat> well, yeah, that's it. The rest looks phenomenal, and you get Weeping Angels, at least one, along with Matt Smith with his or Eleventh Doctor with a fez. Which is kind of fitting because the, the console rooms look the same. So I still want Eleventh uh, Doctor console room too. So oh, I'm sure we'll get it. <laughs> uh, hopefully they'll step through all of them, and hopefully they'll do the Eighth Doctor's console room properly, unlike they're doing in Lego Dimensions. Just gonna say that. Have you seen that picture of I've him in his console room? It's a white console room. Oh, is that right? It, it took Seven's console room and put Eight's minifig in it. Ah, huh. I'll be darned. Bad Lego Dimensions. That's, Bad. That's not appropriate at all. No. They did a great job on everyone else. Like, Troughton and Hartnell's are actually in black and white and perfect detail. Do you what suppose they did. that's probably tied up in that whole universal rights? Surely they come up with. They could come up with some way that... I don't know. He's in his like other outfit. Too, I mean, we, there's so. still there's still a lot of that movie tied up with Universal, and that means you're not just having to get a license from BBC. You're having to go out and pay a, a license to Universal in order to use. But they're working imagery with Universal. From it, so Back to the Future's Universal. It's in the game. Yeah. So, but that's still an additional license. <laughs> they can. Yeah. They've paid for Back to the Future license. They've paid for other Universal product licensing. That's another license they have to pay when they can put Paul and, and they may can just use the BBC. Or maybe Fox. Yeah, I, I would be no, okay if they took universal. a. Foxes had very little stake in that. They were just the. Uh, they were just the hub for which it was aired. It was. It's all Universal product. It's all Universal. It's all in universal. I'd be okay if they took a inspired by the movie console room and said, "Look, you changed it in the big finish stories because we don't ever saw him there." It just looks weird. It's weird to me to see him in that console room. Maybe had we seen the, his console room in Night of the Doctor, it'd be different. Because that's his outfit, too, in that picture, Night well, of the Doctor. I can't imagine he'd gone back to the white console room. <laughs> I can't either, but... We even get uh, Four's alternate wood paneling console room in Lego Dimensions. Again, that's all BBC. I, I haven't seen a picture that's, of that. That's all the licensing. It's, you get what you get. <clears> which, which I bought this week. You bought Lego Dimensions? You bought Lego Dimensions. Lego Dimensions. <laughs> now, from what I understand, there is a Doctor Who level in it already if you play through it. Uh, yeah. You just don't – you can't play the characters yet. Yeah. Well, there's – There's a story level of There's a Doctor story Who. level for Doctor Who and then I believe there's a separate Doctor Who pack that's yeah, coming later that, that, that you'll be yeah. able to, to play. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually went looking for Rock Band 4, <laughs> which <laughs> released this week. And fun story. Uh, nobody has it. <laughs> <laughs> Best Buy apparently got just enough to cover their pre-orders, which was one. So I wonder if the big box stores are maybe a little gun shy over everything that happened with the previous sets, and you know. I think that's definitely. I don't. I, in oh, fact, yeah. I'm certain that's what and whatnot, yeah. or maybe it's an online only thing. 
Um, well, and the, the popularity of that brand of game has taken a steep dive. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I bought that instead, and I came home, and Mel looked at me with this, really? <laughs> and I went, ah, 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 ah. have you seen the trailer? She said, well, no. So I booted up the trailer and showed her what the game was going to be. And she went, ooh, because she loves Lego games. You know, I've, I've got her hooked there. And then the fact that the doctor, you know, is part of that and Back to the Future and all that. She went, okay, that actually looks kind of cool. And then I showed her the Doctor Who one where it steps through all the different lockers. And she got really giddy excited. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, okay, justified. So you're going to work through all the other Lego games before you start to mention I don't know yet. <laughs> I built the characters. I've not yet built the portal. I was all set. I was going to build the whole thing and put it together, and it was late. And I, you know, so I got the Batman, put him together, and Gandalf and Wild Style, style, put her together, <laughs> and then turn the page because the, the the instruction manual is written in Lego, so it's got the big pictures and everything. And you turn the page, and there's a block there, and it says "Stop, insert game disc, and proceed from there." It's like, aww. <laughs> so now I have to commit. So everything is still bagged up, my little Lego bags. And I have to commit to actually playing the game before I can put anything else together. Uh, huh. Because apparently that's part of the story. Hmm. Well, I think we're all excited about the Lego set. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I went on a tangent there. The, the, the Lego set was cool. <laughs> I kind of hope they do a little set it. of just like the TARDIS and the Doctor instead of, and then you can buy the console room separately too. That'd be kind of nice. So I'm you sure could have will. a smaller set for those people who don't want to. Spend the money for the huge big set. Well, that's it. News. Shall we move on to feedback? Sure. First up in feedback is Chrissy. First up? Only up in feedback. <laughs> Only up to sounds weird. Something, something water related plus a preposition or two. <laughs> Dear Vortex Boys, a few catch up words about the magician's apprentice, the witch is familiar, mostly as it applies to. Invisible Scaro. People are flipping out about how Scaro was hidden until Clara and Missy stepped out of the building. But I have a theory on why Scaro was invisible until they walked out into the planet's atmosphere. Remember how the doctor went to where Gallifrey was supposed to be, according to Missy's coordinates, and it wasn't there? I think Scaro was invisible for the same reason Gallifrey wasn't there. Scaro and Gallifrey are connected through the Time War because of some complicated timeline thing that a Time Lord could explain, I'm sure. And when the Doctor saved Gallifrey in Day of the Doctor, the dimensional pocket thingy that Gallifrey was stored away in ended up affecting Scarrow much the same way. Scarrow was invisible to people who hadn't actually stood on the planet yet. I think that's why the Doctor couldn't see Gallifrey. All he did when he opened the door was look out at what he thought was open space. I think he'll go back and actually land on the planet and that he won't be able to see until he steps outside and walks around. After a while, he'll finally see Gallifrey and the Time Lords, and hooray, mission accomplished. Of course, this is merely a theory, and I'm entirely prepared to be wrong. But I'm just surprised that I haven't heard anyone else voice that theory. Then again, I've gotten so busy with work and real life lately that I've had to considerably cut back on the podcast I was listening to. So maybe someone else has said it, and I just didn't hear it. In fact, you guys are the only Doctor Who podcast I still subscribe to. Actually, it's done wonders for my sanity. Some of the other Doctor Who podcasts have gotten incredibly whiny and negative. But you guys continue to to be awesome and keep things fun. Even when an episode isn't to your taste, you still manage to be upbeat and positive. Remembering always, any who is good who. Hey, that reminds me. 
Happy 250 episodes, boys. Yay. Yay. Okay, time for some Under the Lake, lake Etc. action. First half of this two-parter was amazing. They even managed to make the diversity qu- quota character interesting. Not just having a deaf character for the sake of checking off a ticky box for diversity. She was an honest-to-goodness interesting and useful character in her own right, and was more than just a token deaf character. So yay for good writing. That doesn't happen very often in these cases. Under the Lake had so many so much suspense and mystery and intrigue. It was well placed it was played it was paced very well. Everything was explained to uh, to my satisfaction and the cliffhanger, though slightly predictable, was well earned. But then we got before the flood, and it didn't quite live up to the promise of Under the Lake. I just felt like there was more that flood could have told us about the town and the backstory of the planet that Prentice came from and how the ghost transmitters worked. The wrap-up of this two-parter felt very superficial and shallow. I wanted more from this episode than I got, and that left me feeling empty. But I loved the Dr. Peter Capaldi playing the guitar version of the theme song at the beginning. Yes, I'm aware it's probably cheapish uh, cheapish gimmick, and didn't really have a whole lot to do with the story, and there are probably some fans, she puts that in quotes, complaining about it just because they can, but I do not give a flying flea flatulence. It was awesome. Anyway, loved your time, Eddie Report. And so cool you got to interview Peter Purvis. He's one of my favorite Hidden Gym companions, and I enjoyed your chat with him immensely. I sincerely hope we find more Steven episodes someday soon, because his stuff is truly great. And I highly recommend his big finish stories, particularly the one Peter mentioned in your interview, The Ward and All Wars. Definitely one of my favorites. That's all from me now. Hope you have a great week, and I'll talk to you later. Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. What do you think of her theory about Gallifrey? That's intriguing. My only problem with it is, and it's, it's not even really a problem, is I think that it does work, and that might be the direction that uh, Moffat goes. And if he does, it, it's fine. But I think it's sort of, if that if Gallifrey was actually there and you just couldn't see it, to me it kind of cheapens the establishing character that we created with Missy in the sense that I like the idea that he trusted so much that she told him the truth that when he got there and found out she lied, I think that made that moment even more impactful. And so I think if it turns up to be there and she was telling the truth, then it changes the dynamic of the character of Missy, which I, I liked the element of the fact that she did lie to him. Ultimately, in the end, she she did. She She told him this huge lie that he fell for that baited him and he went there. And so I think if it actually is there, it changes that dynamic. And maybe they can go with that and maybe develop a different element to her character. But I, I, I think that would kind of cheapen that moment for me. It also changes the – if Gallifrey actually was there and just invisible. And she knew that. If she knew it was invisible and that he wouldn't find it even if he went – seems to change her reaction in Magician's Apprentice when she sees Scar. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so it, it I, I like it too. I think it's a cool theory, but it, for the same reasons, I don't think it quite works in regards to character missing. development. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it is an interesting theory and it, it, it kind of does work to retcon that, but I, 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 I think there'll I, be some I, element of it eventually. Maybe, maybe not the exact, that exact thing, but once it comes back, maybe it won't, be visible. 
I, I get. I'm, I'm I'm coming from a poor perspective on this because I haven't seen people complaining about that. Um, so I do, I haven't seen that. So I didn't know that was even an issue. But I, I'll complain. Why was Scarrow invisible? Because <laughs> <laughs> of the awesome reveal, Sean. Well, I, I think that. But when you when Stephen Moffat sat down and he's going tappity 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 exterior. Nothing. Space. Slowly, Scarrow is revealed. Dun, dun, dun. And then he, did, did he stop and go, why? Yeah. I, I think <laughs> that the, the thing is, it's, it is it is a plot device. It is a device to re, to reveal something to us that we didn't know about. But I also think that it, it's, it's a nice throwaway that, yeah, of course they're hiding because if they've been rebuilding the planet, they want to yeah. stay hidden so that... Nobody knows that they're rebuilding Scarrow because, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we knew that Scarrow had been destroyed. We knew that from the Seventh Doctor's era. That's what the whole thing with the Hand of Omega was. And we've always been kind of suspicious as to what's going on here. Why are there still Daleks around? Why? Where are they coming from? Where's their base of operations? We get a little bit of a tease of that in uh, the uh, Asylum of the Daleks. Do they ever say that that's Scarrow, though? No, they said it was a different planet. There's, there's, there's one, though, that... And then I get the impression they're on a ship before that, so... Right, they're, well, they're on the cru- uh, Crucible, so it's called the... Crucible. the, yeah, the well, but, the, the, but, but the, the... And I didn't go back and rewatch it when we talked about all this, but the Doctor goes to Scarrow. Well, at the, the very Doctor beginning, The goes yeah. at the very beginning. He's in that giant... It, it's it's but, like it's, a giant it's, Dalek it's, it's statue. Oh, that's yeah, right, yeah. With the eye socket. But that's people where said... But, the, one, one of the things I... I didn't, I didn't see people... I did say Scarrow on the. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see people lashing out about it being invisible, just more of how is Scarrow existing. And somebody, I can't remember who, brought up a great point of Scarrow being destroyed doesn't necessarily mean that it was Alderaan. Well, yeah, yeah I said that yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah. That, that I think that the surface, it just yeah, might have been exactly. wiped out yeah. the cities and everything that existed on the planet. Yeah. That's what and I was that, saying that was more a few weeks ago. I that I, yeah. I mean, no, nothing ever said that it was. was Maybe it was that the planet was, was completely yeah. destroyed, that it was blown up. It just says that Scarrow was destroyed, and, and, and that could mean just a devastation across the earth, so or across, across the surface. Across Scarrow. Yeah. Anyway. It's weird so, to think of a planet of it is an interesting. Scarrow. It is an interesting theory, <laughs> theory that she postulates, and I, I, I like it, but yeah. I think it also changes the dynamic of the character. Chrissy, one other thing I want to mention. We, we had a, a, a very nice uh, chat with um, uh, Mike. It was Mike, wasn't it? Michael. Michael, uh, down at uh, Time Eddie. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michael, I'm horrible with names. Uh, and from he, the Time Scoop, from podcast. the Time Scoop podcast, and I had the opportunity to give it a listen. Uh, so did I. At I didn't Andrew finish Cartwell it. Interview? No, or, or no, you I, I went back to the beginning and listened okay. to the actual I, I first episode. I listened to his interview he did with Andrew Cartmel at Time Eddie. Oh, okay. It was a really good interview, and he gave us a nice little plug too. Oh, well, this time is you know. Time is fair now. We're gonna. I'm gonna plug his real quick. Uh, he he comes up with the idea of doing. Um, if you're a sports fan, like doing fantasy football and doing a draft where you try and pick the best players for a team, uh, where he in the, the time scoop they he invites people on and you get to pick a doctor, a companion, a writer, a villain and or monster. Uh, and then there's one other uh, component, and you try and build the best episode. So you draft pieces of who from throughout the 50-year history. Everybody gets a TARDIS. Everybody gets a sonic screwdriver. That's a given. But then you, you, you have to go and, I think Planet might be the other one, and, and put together your own adventure with these other pieces. And I thought, what a really interesting idea. 
And conceptually, I, I was, when we were talking to him, I'll be honest, I wasn't quite sure I, I, I got it until I went and listened to the podcast and saw how it came together. And I thought it was, uh, I, I still haven't finished the episode, but one, what I've heard so far has been thoroughly enjoyable. So if you're looking for another podcast, uh, the Time Scoop podcast, I can recommend that one because it's, uh, oh, and it's he does, of, he does long ones and some short ones too. It's, so. it's on my list. I just haven't got it. Around yeah. really, really no, I recommend it. It was, it was cool. So just a, just a fun, fun notion there. So good on you, Mike. And thank you, Chrissy, for your, uh, for your, your, your feedback. And I, I will come up with a, a, a well, I have a, not a reply, but something tied in with your under the lake mention here when we get to the review. And thanks for the epiversary. Under the lake or before the or flood? Or before the flood, under the lake, before the well, flood. Well, because if it's under well, the lake, you talk about so. it. Yeah, no, it's before the flood. She reviewed both, so. They're, they're oh, I was they'll getting, be, but they'll uh, be interlinked yeah. when we discuss them. Yeah. So it'll work. I know of what I speak. I just don't say it properly. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we move on to our review? Let's do so. Before the flood, on a remote army outpost, the fearsome alien warlord, the Fisher King, sets in motion a twisted plan to ensure his own survival. The ripples will be felt around the universe. Is this chain of events inevitable? And can the Doctor do the unthinkable? Dun, 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 dun. I have to agree slightly with Chrissy that by the end of it, it kind of, I was really enjoying it. And then we got the resolution. And it was like, oh, that's it. Okay. Good, but not great. <laughs> yeah. Which is a shame because I really liked Under the Lake. Um, I thought they were equal to me. Um, right. I, yeah. I thought, I thought the setup, I thought the, the, I think I thought the ends justified the setup for me. I thought that I the the first one was very suspenseful and really intense, and the, the second one was more. I, I I've seen a theme here <laughs> throughout this season, and I thought the second one was the the ramifications and the justification for what the setup was. And I think that I enjoyed them equally. I don't think they're balanced in the same way because they're again we have a bit of a shift in the tone and the style of, t- of storytelling we're doing here, and I think I kind of like that. I think the same thing happened with the Magician's Apprentice and the Witch's Familiar. Is I really feel like the first part is a story in its own, the second part is a story in its own, and in tone, and then the culmination of the two is really like a two act play. You always have a different feel and style and tone in one, and you always have a different feel, style, and tone in the other. But together, they merge to make a, a one long, cohesive, concurrent, con- concurrent story. And I actually kind of liked the lighter aspects of this one, although it gets very scary. There's not when a lot the, of them. Well, it gets very scary when the Fisher King finally is revealed. But um, it, it, it has a little bit of a lighter tone, obviously, because... I think daylight and no water <laughs> yeah. helps to kind of set that tone as so, well. So, so more atmospheric than tone. Yeah, yeah, okay. atmospheric. Be- maybe. Because yeah. tonally, I didn't think it was light. Atmospheric's a good point. Okay. Yeah, that's. I'll, I'll, I'll draw to that. Um, I liked that we were able to go back and get a little bit of, especially the Undertaker's uh, Princess. Yeah, story. Yeah, Princess's yeah. story because. That was, it was that was the one that I felt was lacking because we get the the captain's death and we get the smarmy corporate guy's death <laughs> on in the first one, so we know how that happens. But the one that's left out is Princess's death, and so I like that we went back and I, I sort of suspected from just the look and style that he was the same from the same planet 
and I can't remember the, the species oh, of the plants. Oh, uh, Trivoli. From. Trivoli, which like was that. what the guy in the hotel yeah, story. Yeah, um, he was. God Complex. God Complex. Uh, also written was. by Toby Woodhouse. Yeah, and I like <laughs> the fact that we got just a little bit more. I like that I, Chrissy kind of complained that we didn't get to know the him and his species a little more. But I kind of like how Toby Whithouse has kind of given us little pieces of them. And in fact, enough for me to know almost everything I need to know about their society and about their, their backstory. Yeah. And so I kind of liked the fact that they reintroduced another one of these, this species and the flippant remarks about how it's almost like they, they, they live for being invaded. They live for, I mean, that's just their society. It's kind of like the Ood live to serve. Yeah. They live to be, you know, over, overthrown and, to, you know, uh, suppressed. And so well, I kind of the I, line from the from from God Complex about the the Boulevard of Conquering Heroes or yeah, something. Yeah, we yeah. throw a parade every every time we get invaded. And, yeah, and so it, it, what is a nutty our, Douglas Adams idea? Our it, sign it, of, it is, and if it you turns, invaded us, you'd live here already, or you'd it, be here already. It turns the tropes kind of on the side or on their ear because it's it's a little different perspective on the seizing a planet. <laughs> you know, it's if you want if you like being seized or that's the kind of thing that you like. Um, so I liked that. I liked the idea that it was disclosed a little more as to how the Fisher King had manifested this dilemma that we had. I agree with her point that I don't think it was exp- the, the it wasn't explained enough. The um, he, uh, radio he didn't seem like he knew how he was going to do it. Yeah, it was that was not that didn't. But that to me that was the only thing that was lacking. I, and everybody online, the this souls is one of were wrenched from their bodies. This is one of the things everybody's. Complaining about lying that the Fisher King looked too fake and rubbery. I oh, thought he no. looked great. The Fisher King was a phenomenal yeah, monster. People were complaining about the monster, and I thought I didn't find no, him scary, but was, I thought he was. Oh, I thought he was very and impressive, and intimidating, and what what really helped because yes, he's huge. What really helped was the 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 when he walked, and you could hear him coming, and I thought. Oh man, I'd be scared out of my wits if I was actually there. I yeah. Heard that presence coming. Well, and the fact that he's 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 physically impressive from being as tall as he is when Capaldi has to look up. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. And the way he leans back against. Well, the, because he lords over casket. him and even yeah. leans over. Yeah. And all of that was great. I thought the, the the costuming, the makeup, everything, whatever that was that they put together for him, phenomenal. Now a note to the atmospherics. I feel a little. I don't want to say cheated, but. It's a shame that we didn't get the Fisher King in the undersea base. He wouldn't fit. He wouldn't fit. Because <laughs> <laughs> when he steps outside in broad daylight, I was almost like, oh. It almost would have been better. Not- I, I kind of didn't want to see him. The, the whole time he's stomping and glimpses, I'm like, what is it? What is it? And, and then they and showed then me, and it. I was like, wow. And then they really showed me. I was like, too much. <laughs> <laughs> Because you get that great scene between them in that in the temple or mm-hmm. the church, and it's where it's dark and atmospheric, and then he goes outside, and it's kind of when it and like goes I said, in. I'm still like because even in broad daylight, he was impressive. He, he was he, a formidable he was foe. Cool. He's just not as scary as he could. He have been. wasn't formidable. That's what I like. That's that's the whole takeaway from this story. Yeah. That's what I like the best about this. The best part of this story is the fact that number one, they went there and they broke the fourth wall. I loved the setup of this. I didn't like it. At first, I was a little <laughs> uneasy because you don't. This isn't what. What's going on here? Who's he talking to? Yeah. He's not talking to me. That he's can't not talking be to right. me, and he's not talking. Which I was trying to fix it in my head. Okay, he's talking to the two that went with him, but he's not. He's not because this is kind of formulated after he's figured out how to what what's happening here and the causal loop that he's that is created in this. 
but it was a very good. It almost comes across like he had this conversation with Clara. It was a terrific vehicle. I don't think that was. I don't think it was. But they tried to give you that because he has the conversation with her about the about what the events that happened. I think it's very much like listen, where he's hypothesizing things. I think the doctor just talks to himself. If you you have to rationalize it, that's That's, where I would go. Is that it was more like him talking to himself and listen, but he's completely looking at the camera. And just the whole idea of here is a real brief study on what I had never heard bootstrap. I've never heard the phrase. I've always heard causal loop. I've I've always heard a burrito theory. I've always heard of those kind of things. But bootstrap theory. In fact, when he said Google it, I thought. I should Google this, <laughs> but I but based on the the uh, uh, the uh, con, uh, uh, well, he explains it perfectly. Yeah, just the, the context of what he's saying. Yeah, it, he explains it. You don't, need to, you don't yeah. have to Google it. You don't need Although, to know why it's called the bootstrap. As you just I think need to know one of you guys is. posted on Facebook today, bootstrap uh, uh, theory ended up getting. So a spike on Google <laughs> as far as searches on uh, Which, Saturday. If you didn't uh, uh, Google it, we did for you, so you don't have to worry about it. Because I was in the same boat. I, I knew what a causal loop was. I didn't hear, I'd never heard of Bootstrap Paradox. Uh, the Bootstrap Paradox, which did see an immense spike on Google search engines after the episode aired, there's your Doctor Who power for you, um, uh, refers to the expression pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. The use of the term for time travel was popularized by Robert A. Heinlein in his story, By His Bootstraps, which apparently features a causal loop. Okay. So Heinlein is very familiar with causal loops. Yes. Because he wrote All You Zombies. (laughs) Yes. Which is predestination. Yeah, that's that's exactly what this is. But based on the context of how he explained it, I knew exactly what he was talking about. Oh, yeah. And by setting that up and then building to that idea... Towards the end of this, I loved that. And you get- I thought that was wonderful. <laughs> I thought, okay, because I think it's a little closer to home with the three of us because we've done a story ourselves having yeah. to do with causal loops. And we did uh, 1221. And so that that itself is a causal loop because it, it, it begins and ends with the element that, has to, that, that sets it up and, and ends up at the climax of it. And Toby's so I've always better. been, I've always been, yeah, I've always <laughs> been fascinated with the whole causal loop idea. And, Especially uh, the idea of who really created it. Right, exactly. How, do you, how does the causal loop start? <laughs> well, if it's always happening, then it's yeah. just, it always is. And it's, it's a bit mind-bending when you start to think about it. And so getting to that point now, having him explain that to me, when we got the thing, did, the, did you, get, when did he you got guys the stasis, forget about it by the time you got no, to No, when it? the stasis chamber was counting down and you saw the little thing going down, I looked at Caitlin and I said, the doctor's in there. And she goes, what? And I said, the doctor's in there. I think we're meant to think the Fisher King was in there. The doctor's in there. And, of course, as soon as he popped up, I went, got it. (laughs) Caitlin had a hard time wrapping her brain around it. And I'll admit, I have a a hard time wrapping my brain around it. It's a tough concept to – But I think you're supposed to. And that's the other thing that I liked about it was everything wasn't neatly tied up. Everything was neatly tied up in a bow but wasn't because there's no answer to the causal loop. There's no answer to if the doctor – is the one that caused everything to happen in the sense that he did you know, the, the way that he did. Who, I mean, who started it? How did it start in the first place? And you're not supposed to be able to explain that. That's where it, you're supposed to be left with that. Like Clara said, is at the very end. Wow, I mean, that was that said at all. And <laughs> yeah. I thought, you know what? 
that's great. That's how this episode needed to be. That's how this whole story needed to be was just a wow, something to think about. And in, I, and, I and in the history of See, Doctor I think Who, you, I, I think you gave it too too shallow of a dun 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 based yeah. on oh, maybe based yeah, on, based on that, your review based on that response. And in the history of Doctor Who, the fact of casual or casual paradoxes or bootstrap paradoxes, causal, 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 has not been explored enough. Like I can, I'm not thinking of very many other instances. No, because most of the time. Uh, we've had a ton of them, have we? Yeah, there, there's there's many. Maybe just not done this well. Well, within Doctor Who by itself, we've had a ton of of, of self fulfilling, and, and Big Finish. We've we've talked about okay, more, maybe more so, uh, big more finish. so in Big Finish that oh, it's another one of these where the Doctor is the cause of his own, uh, uh, you know. There's a fifth Doctor story in particular, the one with Daleks and. And, and something else. And I'm wondering if that's going to be a theme maybe for this season since we got Davros at the beginning. It was also a causal loop. Which was also yeah. a causal loop in a way. Now, um, I, I think the, what... what you, but like in, in the main main television story... Well, what, what the, he's saying, the though, big is... The think point of it. I think what's most obvious, maybe this lends to it, is the fact that through the entire Matt Smith era... We had Matt Smith going back and rewriting time, yes, and that was a that. focus that time could be rewritten. And there were a lot of times where the Eleventh Doctor would go back and actually change events, and so we had a lot of that folding back Christmas on itself. Carol. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's but, but, that's but that the changes everything. Yeah. There. Whereas with a causal loop, nothing has changed. You were just part of the events in the first place. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a common theme as we go through this whole season, the causal loop uh, idea. In fact, in fact, I have a feeling that Stephen Moffat sat down at the grinder's table on the day one and said, I would like everybody to write great stories, and I'd like them to all have causal or bootstrap uh, uh, paradoxes. paradoxes in them. And I, I think that was probably the catalyst for the season, as he said, I want to see bootstrap paradoxes. Uh, Paradoxes. You guys figure out how to do it. So we'll see. We'll certainly see. Yeah. Time will tell. It's um I think in and of itself the it's a good episode. As a conclusion to part one, I think maybe is where it, it, it drops down a little for me. Uh and maybe it has to do with the tonal shift because the, the atmospheric. The, well, the, I think it's tonal too. <laughs> There, there are elements of, of the horror, scary aspect in this one. Certainly, the Fisher King is one of them. The phenomenal sequence where Cass is out walking down the hall and the ghost is behind her dragging the axe that we oh, can hear. Yeah, we still that did was have really good. That first, you know. So, so those were just super great. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for explaining why the ghost didn't hurt the guy in the first episode in yep. this episode. I was glad. But what, what you could draw that conclusion, but it was nice that they cemented it. Yeah. Just, just the, just the fact that here, yeah, I was right. <laughs> and then, um, so, the, so it had these, these great moments to it, but it also had, I don't know. I, I don't want to say uneven, but it, it, I think maybe the expectation, maybe it's on my fault. Maybe the expectations after part one, we're just set at a certain level. And so, yes, we got a resolution. Yes, we tied everything up. But I don't know that it was a satisfying resolution based on what I thought, you know, maybe where my expectations were at. Um, I, I think I, my problem was more of we didn't really get much resolution for the ghosts. Like, that was such a big part of the story in yeah, the first I, part. I, I they, were, they, were, they were just transmitters. And, and, and it's then, like, okay, but 
how. <laughs> yeah. Not just the how. Then they just lock them in the Faraday cage, and unit's going to cut it out and take it who knows where, and eventually they'll disappear. That's our resolution for the ghosts yeah. that were haunting the space? Really? That's the part that's sour for me. The rest of it I thoroughly enjoyed. It's just that aspect of it. It's like, well, uh, I love the... Come you know, on. When, when, I, did a, I did one of those numbers where I just go, I'm just going to have to accept that. Yeah. yeah. When, when the doctor says, I'm going to go back and do this, ka-ching, nobody can stop me. And the cloister bell goes off. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And he winds up going backwards 30 minutes. And, yeah. Well, and I love it when they do that. The, the prisoner of Azkaban comes to mind yes. when they can see each other in the yeah. background and we're not really supposed to interact or back to the future and that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, don't do anything. Don't screw that up. Cause we got to, I love stuff like that. So this had so much going for it, but then like when the, and all those aspects of the story, I really enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, that was all fantastic. The town. So it's in the eighties and we've got this, this Russian facade because, but we're in Scotland because we're doing these kind of war game almost elements of know thy enemy and this is going. That to me is a story in and of itself. We had some of that, John. I know, but I, I just that is <laughs> we <Schizoid> Earth. <laughs> <laughs> There's a you know this is the fact that it's there and then dropped. I felt like well, it didn't have to be a, a Russian town that was built. No, I mean, it could have been an abandoned military base. It could have been. It could have been anything. Well, it you, technically, you wasn't chose a, to give it me that, technically was an abandoned military right, base. Right, but what I'm saying is, you chose to give me that juicy detail and then didn't go anywhere with it. You know, I just, I just, I, like, that oh. just, I think that just sets atmosphere. Honestly, I, I the, the Beethoven. I agree. <laughs> it was just, it was atmosphere. It's, it's like, it's it like giving uh, O'Donnell the unit background and screen over the doctor and just kind of dropping yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just giving character to the atmosphere of the person, whatever. I agree. Yeah, but, and then uh, the, the open. We've had causal loops in Doctor Who before. And so to have the doctor come out and break the fourth wall and talk to the camera and give this whole Beethoven story. So I, I've got to change gears now because I was ready for ghosts, and we're not doing that, apparently. We're setting up for something different. And then we go into the ghost story. And don't get me wrong. Phenomenal. I think that's why the cold open it. works. But I, I want to see the Beethoven story now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, let's do that one. That sounded cool. But I've gotten used to Dr. Who baiting me into things going, oh, that would be a great story. I mean, was, that happens all the time. So well, I can't even fault this episode yeah. for making me want no, it's, that it's, story. It's, because it's, it's almost like, uh, Simpsons-esque. And when, when you watch an episode of The Simpsons, you sit down and they go down this path. And then all of a sudden, somewhere in the middle of the story, you realize that, no, we're actually doing this yeah, story yeah. and not the one that we opened with. Actually, Family Guy does that better. And Family Guy does that too. Yeah. So, Simpsons did it, and then Sam, Family Guy came along and showed him how to do it better, and then Simpsons kind of got away from that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I just, I, like I said, I, it, were I to invoke Star Trek, which I, I have two of them in this episode, so I apologize. <laughs> the, the causal loop when uh, uh, Kirk's glasses, when they go back in time, and uh, he sells his, his antique glasses. And Spock says, weren't those a gift from Dr. McCoy? And Kirk goes, well, they will be again. There's a great comic book bit later that nobody read because nobody reads comics where, where they're musing. And Chekhov asks, well, who made the glasses? I mean, if they came into existence in 1986 and then you received them as a gift and then later you went back and gave them away in 1986, who, who actually manufactured the glasses? And as a kid, I read that and was like, I, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing ever. Because what is, and so that was kind of my introduction to these kinds of problems. So when the doctor very simply explains this, I went, Oh, it's like the glasses thing. I get it. Um, but 
the and I, I'm, I'm not putting this on par with this, so kind of keep this in mind. I'm just using this as a point of reference. Best of Both Worlds, which still to this day is one of the greatest episodes of anything ever. But the first episode, part one, is so mm. intense and awesome, and we've got battles and Borg and and the best, you know, one Wolf of the best Reef cliffhangers, and, and one of the best cliffhangers ever. And then the second part comes out, and we get a talkie, and it ends. I mean, how, how do you how do you get out of this? Well, we did some some hacking. It, it just it, it just kind of yes, we resolved it, but I don't know that you resolved it to the level that the expectations were set up here, and that's kind of how I felt with these because the first part of this was so good with with Under the Lake, and not that this wasn't good, not that it wasn't it was satisfactory. good for different reasons. It was good for different reasons. But it just, the, I don't know, the taste is a little off. And so I, I can understand where Christy's coming from, that it's not that it was bad by any stretch. It's just not, the, the, you know, you wrapped it up and it was a nice little present. And okay, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. I won't, I won't return it. See, and I think that's, that's, that's what I liked about it was they were so... They were so different. One left me going, wow, that was just an amazing, suspenseful well, I, I story. Were... And then the other one was, wow, this was such a mind-bending theory. And they, to me, they just they, they meet very well together. And I think the cold open works really well to make that bridge in addition to explaining the theory. But it also lets you know, hey, we're not dealing with ghosts. We're doing something else. Yeah, there's going to be ramifications and fall out of what happened last week, but we're doing something different this week. Yeah. And so it, it set my mind in a different mindset. Yeah. Your argument applies to uh, Magician's Apprentice, and, yeah. and uh, which is familiar. In fact, I think you sort of brought the, that issue up last time as well. And well, that's, just, that tends to be a problem with two-parters in general. Of You build up to a cliffhanger and then you can't deliver with what you do, or it's so different that it's not what you expect. Yeah, I think the Silurian two-parter is very much in that same vein. Yeah. Back in series... Six, five, five, five. yeah. Uh, it does the same thing. Even maybe Santar and Strategium, Strategium did the kind of the same thing as well. It was a little more consistent, but yeah, I think it's the it's, nature it's, it's of two parts. Oh it's, yeah, it's, you it's know, really when, when, you, when you, you go, how, how can we end this? Well, let's do this. Oh wow, yeah. And so then, you know, it's it's like the Doctor's Ghost. That was such a oh crap. And we kind of set that up throughout this one that oh, I'm going to have to die. I'm going to have to do the blah 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 blah. And then the fact that it was a hologram, of course, at the end, I was like, why didn't I see that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's what I totally liked about it. Was, was, yeah. I mean, it was totally so bit, obvious, and then I missed it. And yeah. that's what I liked about it as well, as I went, that totally works. That ex- yeah, that totally, totally explains works. why, number one, he was saying something different. And number two, why this can effectively happen. So, I, um, I, I enjoyed the, I don't know, this is a side note, when, when Claire's putting the phone and she's talking to the doctor, and she's got it this way, and then she sets it up on the thing, and he has to rotate the screen back and forth. I don't know if that's a comment on vertical video syndrome. I kind of like to think in my head, it's, it's like, <laughs> put it this way! Widescreen picture! Uh, but um, <laughs> but I like that they consciously did that, because they they, we, we are living trying in a to world of vertical video, video and horizontal video. And we've, we've, we, we're in a world rotating where... rotating screens. When, when you hold your phone to, to, show, to talk to somebody face-to-face... For the most part, it's pretty much accepted that you can hold it that way. I mean, that's how you hold an interface call. But when you sit it down for a more 
uh, peripheral vision or horizontal yeah. vision and him having to turn it each time. I liked it. I liked the fact yeah, that no, they, I did they too. added I that cool. element into that yeah. he, it wasn't just, you know, writing itself, that he was actually moving the monitor. I like that. That was very cool. Um, what was the other one? I had a thought and it went away when we started talking about that. Oh, uh, sorry. Talk for a minute about something else. I'll come back to it. Oh, no, there it was. Clara. <laughs> Thank you. Now I'll forget what I was going to say. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I like the fact that we kind of, when, when he's talking to her on the phone, was it on the phone or when he's giving her the, the, the talk and she lets slip, I'm not ready to deal with that yet. Mm. That suddenly went, aha. Well, she's and, talking about Danny. Yeah. And so that's why. And yeah. She and there, knows there was what's going of, on and he knows what's going on. And that fixed a yeah. lot of what my problems were last week. Agreed. with Clara's being. Uh, and I, when it's, yeah. as soon as that scene happened, my first thought was, okay, Sean's going to be okay with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really, it really was. It was like, now I, I there's I, even a line where she almost goes to say, you've been a great distraction, but she cuts off there. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I still wonder if we're not getting. What I talked about last week with Clara kind of being the doctor. Well, um, there's still a little bit because they've been building towards that anyways. But but they this this went well miles to smoothing <laughs> over. Not to mention her conversation with uh, what's the the deaf lady's name uh, in Cass. in the cast in the thing where Cass is like is she almost points out the fact that the you've been traveling with so yeah. long that he changed yeah that that he that he was changed by that and they so I, I I like that element of we are giving some we're we're adding some weight to that idea that you know you're the doctor can be dangerous and he influences those around, which we had in Stolen Earth and uh, Journey's End. Yeah. Uh, that revelation that the Doctor really makes warriors out of his companions. I, I, I liked that. I, I, I liked um, I liked the fact that we, we acknowledged the fact that Cass and the... Uh... Well, I, I really enjoyed the, the through both, because you could kind of see in the first one the do pairings of kind of love interests, yeah. and then the exploration of that after losing O'Donnell and 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 all of that. I really liked that. I did too, I, and it was nice for somebody to finally call him out on it and yes. say, "Look, just tell her that you love her," because it's fairly <laughs> obvious to everybody in the room that this is what's going and on. Which, her reaction was almost like, "Oh, and God. you wouldn't have had and that then, moment." And the, the the confrontation between the other guy and the doctor when he's saying, "You know, you're willing to let her die as an, as uh, to see if you to, to test your theory." And because he was willing to let O'Donnell die because he wants to see, you know, because he's protecting Clara himself. But having that, having to go through that and then being able to be the one at the end to say, you know, tell her that you love her. I mean, it was like, it was almost that moment of, I, I, I have regrets. You shouldn't have these same regrets. I I like the build up. See, it was was a nice, I liked all the characters in this story. It was it was it was nice to deal with it in that way, but that's another part of it that I feel. I, it's I, almost I, I have to agree with the guy. Oh, in I, a agree way, that I agree too. I agree. How could you let Cass die, uh, just, O'Donnell or O'Donnell, just to prove this theory that you're that you're correct? And why is Clara so much more important than anybody else? Yeah, that's, oh, I, that's I not really fair, and but, and that's not something I feel like. My doctor, we'll go back to that for just a second, would, would, would really do. It's different from Flatline, or uh, not Flatline, uh, Mummy, 
Or into the Dalek. When he's, you're dealing with somebody that's, you know, when, when he's gr- pumping the guy for information and they're like, how can you be so callous? And it's like, he's already dead. There's nothing I can do about that. Right. That's different because right. that's, but this almost I did can, feel like a calculated choice. I could almost rationalize it as he, at that point, the doctor still thinks because, I mean, remember, he hasn't figured out what he's going to do. He hasn't programmed the hologram yet. He, to some part of his mind, still thinks he's going to die and that he thinks that this list is the number of how these people die. Yeah. So I can rationalize it in the aspect of it's still that same doctor of, Okay, she's going to die. There's nothing I can do about it. Well, at least let her death mean something and give me information. I would agree. I think it's still, okay. That fixes a little. It, bit it feels very much yeah. in line with twelve. Now it, it looks yeah. it looks in the it way com- it comes across as though he was using her experiment eventually. But Keith's right. And, and sort of you can kind of it's the difference. Sympathize with is him. him calling her or him calling the doctor out, out on, on it. it. Yeah, that's the big difference between right. that and Mummy. Even though they try to do it in Mummy or even into the Dalek. It's the fact that he thoroughly calls him out on it. Yeah. More so. Okay. And I'm I like the more okay. so I didn't want and to I, die. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I like that that goes further to explore. We haven't completely changed the 12th Doctor because that's another thing a lot of people said Between was the flashcards last week and this. Yeah, this week. exactly. <laughs> we still have the Doctor that was introduced to us in Series 8. His edges are just a little uh, Yeah, smoother. Series 8. Just not yeah, much. But we still have that element to that Doctor, and I like that they haven't abandoned that altogether. I yeah. love the idea that we're just going to stay a little consistent. Even though he's changed, he's grown, he needs to, we still have some consistency with what who this Doctor is, and I like that. Agreed. Agreed. I sound like I'm hating on it. I'm not. I really. <laughs> you don't really sound like not. you're hating on it. You no. sound like you're you're picking the particulars about it that, that you feel could be better about it, but you don't. It doesn't sound like you're really coming. Okay, good. Because I, I like I said, it was it was a good story. I think so far this season, the two parters have been heads and head above other two parters we've had so far since yeah. the show came back. I just don't like waiting week to week. Because <laughs> it's bad enough that I have to wait a full week for another episode of Doctor Who. It's even worse when it's a two-part. Yeah, it's like, it really ah, is. Ah, ah. Now, I will say this. I will say the trailer for next week's episode. we got Maisie Williams, and it's written by Jamie Matheson. That's really about all I can say I'm excited for just based on that trailer. Now, I'm sure I'll watch it and be blown away by it, but the trailer didn't excite me at all. The trailer also didn't say much. Yeah, yeah. It really I didn't get a lot out of it's it. Yeah. Like, Vikings, Viking yeah. invasion, and a war. Of, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have Vikings in a war and Maisie yep. Williams. Okay, yep. <laughs> I guess I'll see. <laughs> At this point, they're like, "Well, you're gonna come back. It's Doctor Who." <laughs> well, the trailer, the trailer for this one didn't say much either. The oh no, for, no. For um, or even uh, Under the Lake didn't really say much. Just gave us the ghost idea. Although, did you guys watch? There's on YouTube. There's another trailer for next week. It's a little bit better, a bit more what we can expect. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. So if you want to go look into that one, it's not the next time, it's the actual trailer. Okay. Because there's the next time trailer and then the girl who died trailer. Okay. I'll go look at that then. I don't think I will. I'll just wait. (laughs) (laughs) I already have to wait. I might as well just, you know. Might as well just just wait. Anything else on this story? I think I've said my worth. Nothing at all? Nope. Nothing you want to rave about or complain about? or Nope. It's a good story. I quite enjoyed it. All I right, Sean. Well, I well. liked all the little references in it, too. The Saxton and 
Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. the moon. Oh, and who? <laughs> the war minister, which yeah. we don't know is coming yet. <laughs> is that just a drop, or is that a yeah? There's a plan here. There were sure, I'll find out eventually. A lot of little drops. Damn there. you! That's another thing is I only watched this once. Caitlin and I watched oh. it on Saturday, so I need to go back and see it again. Uh, what uh, are we coming up on the schedule, Sean? Well, coming up next week on the schedule uh, for Friday Night Who. Uh, next week we're doing The Fires of Pompeii. Because the synopsis uh, that we got for the girl who died hints that... You almost did in the fireplace. I almost did. (laughs) (laughs) Fires, fire, you know. Uh, The girl who died uh, hints that this will be the episode where the doctor figures out where he's seen his face before. I don't know if it'll resolve it quite to the way that we were all thinking that they would. (laughs) I'm sure they won't, but... um, So we decided we'd do that one. Uh, And then the following week will be uh, Classic Who with Face of Evil. Which hopefully will pair up well for the woman who lived. Both ideas being that the doctor sometimes has to go back and live with mistakes he may have made. That's where I was going with that one. Uh, and then just a note for Halloween uh, that we've got uh, not Day of the Doctor, but we're going to do Blink and Listen uh, for the Friday Night Who that week to pair up with the Zygon Invasion. And some added... Uh, Scheduling information uh, since uh, the good people over at uh, Candy, Candy Jar, Jar Books, books were, uh, were able to get us an advanced copy of uh, the next Lethbridge Stewart book. So we will be adding a spoiler free review of that to the schedule. When's the actual release date on that? The 25th, I believe. I'm checking here for sure. 23rd. 23rd. The 23rd. 23rd. So um, our review, will, we will record our review on the 25th. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> So the episode will release probably the 26th or 27th. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be shortly. So it won't be the Halloween one. It'll be the fourth. That's what I was thinking, but I wanted to make sure I was right. So uh, that'll be episode 252 with The Woman Who Lived. We'll be uh, giving a spoiler-free review of uh, the next Lethbridge Stewart book. And we we will have in our position a couple of copies of the book to actually give out to our listeners. So we'll devise some sort of... uh, Way to uh, so everybody has a chance to win one of the uh, a copy. Of, not everyone gets a chance, but everybody has. Yeah, everybody has a chance to win one of our two copies of the book. Well, listeners, you'll we'll have a chance to win. Listen. So you have to make sure you. <laughs> so make sure listen you listen to and, the show, though, and hopefully listen close because we will have we'll have more details on uh, how we're going to give that away uh, coming up on the next couple weeks. And I guarantee you, we won't make you count dings. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the in the annals of game show prize giveaways, there's the WKRP song contest, <laughs> and then there's counting the dings as far as failures go. So, uh, all right, anything else? We'd be remiss if we didn't uh, beg you. I mean, uh, ask you to go to our Facebook or our website. And uh, subscribe as a Patreon listener. Uh, Patreon listeners get a little bit of a bonus when they do, and uh, we get a little bit back from that because we're able to put the money that we get from our subscribers to uh, put back into this podcast and make it bigger and greater and get more interviews and and do more fun uh, giveaways and things like that. And uh, also, if you can't support us on Patreon, uh, consider purchasing something through any of our links on uh, line, uh, our Amazon uh, store or our, through Entertainment Earth from that link on our site. Also, we have the Spread Shirt store on our site as well if you want to purchase something from that. 
Part of the proceeds to those that purchases go to us and also go back into this show. And you can find us on the various forms of media, social media, Facebook, Twitter, all of those links can be found on our website, www.travelingdivortex.com. Anything else? No. Nope. All right. Thank you guys for hanging around. It's been, I can't believe we're at 250 episodes. 250. Yeah. Didn't bring the party hats and streamers, though. <laughs> Did you find the Merca image? I haven't found the Merca image. I, d- I oh. dug and dug and dug, and I couldn't find the Merca image. So, Can't you just pull it off the website? Well, it's it's on a background already, and I, it was a layer when I built the image. And so I wanted the layer so that I didn't have to, like, crop it out again. But, I'll just cut it out. Yeah. We easier, won't tell. Easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else? All right, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.